You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, it's that time of the year. We've already had a few dustings of snow, and I'm reminded of the awe and wonder this season brings every year, especially when I drive down my street and I see houses lined up with different colors and arrangements of lights. Have you ever stopped to consider that it's the darkness that brings out the beauty of those lights? It's when the night is darkest that we can really see the light of even a single candle. And a single candle in the window whispers something. It whispers welcome, that there's hope here. A single candle reminds us God is sending his light into the darkness. It reminds us that there is no darkness in our lives that can't be lit up by this special light. This light is a person and his name is Jesus. And we're gonna be celebrating the birth of Jesus, the light of the world, both in person and online starting December 23rd. Tickets are available for in-person services, so please reserve some seats for you and your friends and your family that are planning to attend. And of course, to ensure safety and physical distancing, tickets are gonna be limited. We know that many of you will be watching from home this year. So we're creating an online-only exclusive service made just for you. To create the most memorable and meaningful service, we have a Christmas at-home kits available for you to pick up at your campuses. In those kits, there'll be candles for the family, the world's best hot cocoa. I have no idea where we found the world's best hot cocoa, but we have it. A star ornament craft and many things for the family will be included in these kits. So please reserve your kit and find more information about online services as well to reserve your tickets. You can do that right at kensingtonchurch.org slash Christmas. The theme for this year is fitting in so many ways. It's called Home for Christmas. We'll be looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of the wise men, the Magi, who came one way, but then they left another. And no matter where you're watching Christmas services from this year, either in person or online, we truly believe that you will encounter Jesus. That's why we do this. We want people to encounter the light of the world, just as the wise men did. And guess what? When they did, it changed everything. It'll be nostalgic and beautiful. Maybe it'll be a little bit like this clip from Christmas at Kensington in 2012. back at the past with fresh eyes. Today kicks off a brand new series that we're calling Foundations, and I'm super excited about this series because together we're going to explore the beginnings of Kensington, the way that God grew and shaped this community, and we're going to be hearing from each of the founding couples, and today we're going to kick it off with Mark and Callie Nelson. You know, Mark and Callie have a very, very special place in my heart, in my wife Amy and our family. 
Mark really took a chance with me almost 20 years ago where he hired me to come on staff and I was so new in my faith. I look back now and I cannot believe that he actually did that. But he brought me on staff and he walked with me and really did disciple me and train me in the ways of arts in the ways of church, and more importantly, in the ways of Jesus. So I just owe so much to Mark and Callie, and I'm so grateful that you get to hear from them today. So sit back, really take in what God is going to do today. Thank you for joining us. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Still 
silence. Have we forgotten the intimate, the eternal conversation between creator and creation? By his breath, the infinite and infinitesimal all became. By his word, all held together. Just ask the animals, and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Speak to the earth, and it will instruct you. Let the fish in the sea speak to you.
for they all know that my disaster has come from the hand of the Lord. For the life of every living thing is in his hand and in the breath of every human being. Almost lost my page there. Did you see that? <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Aaron Jones. I'm the worship arts director here at the Clinton Township campus. And today we're starting a new series called the Foundation Series, where we're really looking at the past 30 years of Kensington. And we're diving in and looking a little closer at the lives of the three founding families that started this church. And I think it's going to be so cool because we're really taking a peek at how God uniquely gifted them and brought them together to create these moments that are beautiful. And so we thought it was so appropriate to start with Mark and Callie Nelson, who led the arts and production team at Kensington for over 25 years. And the way that they led, one of the statements that they said, this is how we lead. We lead by creating moments that allow people to engage with God. And so I love that opening package that you just heard where you heard this scripture leading into this song that talks about the seasons and how you see God in every single season and the new life that he brings and things that he comes out of. And then even going into the scripture and the spoken word where it's talking about speak God and we'll listen. We'll pay attention to hear you in the nature. We'll pay attention to see you and how the animals interact with each other. God will open our eyes to see how you're moving in our lives. And I think that that's something that we so often miss. We often miss how God can be in the details, how he can be in the very little things and every single thing around us. And so I think about the times where we come to this place and maybe we're out on a hike or we come to some uh, uh, beautiful thing and we're really, our breath is taken away and we see the mountains and we see the waters and we even see how lightning strikes and it sparks something. There's something beautiful to all the things that God created in the world around us. And that analogy kind of reminds me of this trip that I took to Alaska a couple of years ago. I went camping with my sister, and there's a couple of pictures that we'll be showing you. But I remember getting off the plane. It was like a small airport, only two terminals. And we're walking out of this uh, airport to walk into this small town, and we're walking over this bridge. And there's just these mountains in the background, and the clouds are kind of flowing in, and the water is flowing so nicely under the water. And I was shook. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this can't be real. 
Like this is something that you see like people painting, but this is the reality of who our God is, such a beautiful creator. And so I remember setting up our camp and I went hiking the next day and I came to this area where the trees were surrounding and there was like this inland body of water and naturally I started skipping rocks. And I saw how the rock would skip and the ripples float away and I feel like there was something that I learned in, in, in viewing that. That these moments that we're talking about, like those rocks can be a representation of that moment. How if we're intentional, we'll see that rock skip and the ripples flow away and how those ripples can really be the impact that we have in the lives around us. In creating moments, and if you're really intentional, you can see that rock skip six, seven times. And you see those ripples spread so wide throughout the water. That's the effect that those moments that we create, the very moments that Mark and Callie are talking about and that they shape their lives around creating, that's the impact that we can have. Now, you know, there's times where we could take a big boulder and we could just splash it in the water. That makes an effect too. There's times where sometimes we're not really intentional in the way that we deal with others and the way that we create moments with our families. But there's something to really putting in the work and really learning the skill of creating those intentional moments. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so I, that, I feel like that whole analogy of really me connecting at how God uses our moments in our lives brings me back to that scripture that we first heard in Psalms 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day. They pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out in all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. You know, creation alone can speak and express the majesty and the glory of God the creator because it points to who he truly is, the ultimate artist. And so I love that we're really taking some time to see Mark and Callie and how they didn't just use their lives to create these artistic moments to really bring us to the point that we see today, these beautiful moments that we see on a weekly basis, but they use their entire lives to create moments to impact those around us. And so before we move into that, I would love to talk about one moment that we're able to do here, and it's through Hope for the Holidays. And this is, if you weren't here last week, this is a program that we have for those in need. Maybe you're struggling this holiday season and you need a little bit of help, but we have this number that you can text, and we have these gift cards that are available to you. So we would love for you to, if you know someone that's in need, we would love for you to send that number to them, and we can provide for you in that time and really give you more information about how to receive. Now, we would also like to take this time to take our offering. And you know there's multiple ways to do that. You can either text or give online or even through mailing in. But above all that, we just want to say thank you. To those sitting here in the seats and those online, we know that these moments that we create would not be possible without you, without you uh, giving so generously and really joining us in the mission of being the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's listen to Mark and Callie as they talk about how they've created moments to engage people with Jesus. I remember as like a teenager, not sleeping well at night, being concerned or worried, but I had a relationship that was very private with God. Never talked with anybody else about it, but it was real. And quite often I would get up middle of the night, two in the morning, and go walking down our long driveway to Coulter Road. And I remember praying, just, but just talking with God, tears running down my face. I remember seeing stars through the tree canopy. 
but I would sing How Great Thou Art, because I knew that song from going to church, and that's how I felt. I was just amazed, just a, an immense love for, for beauty, um, the power of creation, the wonder of it, and I think I kind of developed that childlike heart. The first time I actually felt something deeply from art um, was actually when I was a freshman in high school. My mom, she made me play in the band. And I was terrible. I mean, I, and I turned, I did audition. Everybody had to audition. I, and I got last chair trumpet, you know, just a total embarrassment. But the guy that was the director that year, his name was Joe Dobas, University of Michigan graduate, rookie teacher, came in. And he was convinced that music was the greatest thing ever. And that it wasn't about playing notes, but it was about getting to feel it, to, to create an emotional expression that was meaningful. We're all just like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know, we, we were terrible. We didn't know what he was talking about. Everybody was screwing around, and it was just a mess. But over that year, he kept at it, and he worked really, really hard. And I remember the day that actually this <laughs> podunk group of kids playing, and actually we did something that was really beautiful and moving, like expressive, you know, and it was in tune, and it actually, so it actually sounded good for the first time. And I remember everybody just kind of, I remember looking around and everybody's like, oh, what the heck was that? And from that moment on, he kind of had our attention a little bit. And over about a three-year period through high school, he developed a program where a great number of kids were getting, you know, they were going to the big universities on music scholarships and stuff out of Lapeer, Michigan. My bar for excellence in all things, I didn't even realize that it happened, but I would compare... Joe Dobas as a teacher to my football coach and to my biology teacher and anything else that I was kind of evaluating. So I went to college as a, as a music major and ended up teaching my first year out at Oakland Christian School. What was interesting is the very first time I, I was troubled by the fact that it looked like if you were a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, that you had to kind of make a choice to be in a lesser camp but if you were going to be really good, you couldn't really stay in that camp. You had to kind of go to the secular university and pursue this because that's where the really great stuff was. And it's kind of made me mad. And I read a book by Frankie Schaefer, Francis Schaefer's son, and it was called Addicted to Mediocrity. And I didn't read books very much at all, but that book helped me kind of put language to what I was feeling. And it was saying, why have we... Um, allowed the church and Christianity to be a place where it's just kind of mediocre at best, but the really good stuff is reserved for people and artists outside the church. And that just never went away. And so when I got to Oakland Christian, I, I think I tried to be Joe Dobas, wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but I really was trying to help my kids sense what I had sensed, this something that was worth being a part of, worth listening to, that would move my heart, my heart deeply, you know. And over years of, you know, wanting to kill the kids and the kids wanting to kill me, we kind of got there, you know, and um, began to experience expressing things that, were really powerful. Now, what happened is uh, when I met my wife, Callie, we started kind of a, it was like a sing and dance kind of a thing. And in a Christian school back in the 80s, that was not allowed. But what happened is the kids were really gifted. It wasn't anything we did. They were super gifted as musicians and so forth. And they were able to communicate things so powerfully. And we would travel to churches. Surprisingly enough, this kind of secular type thing was moving people in church. Callie and I 
uh, were married in 1985. And in 1986, we started attending this new church, and it was called Faith Church in Rochester. And um, lo and behold, a few months into that, this guy named Steve Andrews uh, took a job there as an associate pastor at Faith Church. And, uh, but the neat part about him coming was that he had the charge and the permission both to plant a church, and it was supposed to be within three to five years. And so I'm like, wow, is this a real thing? People do this, you know? And then shortly after that, Dave Wilson uh, came from the University of Nebraska um, to become the um, chaplain for the Detroit Lions here in Detroit. He lands there. Somebody told him about this little church start in Rochester Hills. And so uh, he, he came and ended up there. And so within a period less than a year, all three of us ended up at Faith Church. When I first, first saw Mark and Dave and Callie, uh, uh, Ann wasn't on the stage, but th they were up leading the praise music before the beginning of the service at Faith Church. They, we weren't allowed to do praise music in the service. And they're up there, and uh, Dave's kind of got a mostly comb over, and uh, he's playing guitar, and Mark was up there singing, and I had two impressions. One is that Mark had about the most beautiful voice that I'd ever heard anybody at that time. Such a beautiful singing voice. And he and Callie together were angelic, but I didn't realize that he was a star quarterback for Lapeer High School, that he had all these other gifts. And of course, then meeting Dave, I didn't realize that both of these guys, we, we all three are quarterbacks, only they were good. You know, both those guys were actually good. And uh, so we started hanging out and playing basketball and working out. And what we found is that we all had the same passion, which was for, was for our generation to meet Jesus. We all had great experiences with Jesus and bad experiences with church. When it comes to my role in Kensington, it's kind of strange that it actually happened for me because I didn't like church. I didn't really want anything to do it. I loved Jesus, but I just didn't enjoy church and it didn't, it was never meaningful to me. And so Steve came to me one day and said, hey, I, uh, I would love for you to consider being part of starting a new church with me, a church for the unchurched, people that don't like church. And I'm like, dude, you're coming to the wrong person. I'm not interested. He's like, okay, I know you won't do it, but um, would you just do this for me? Would you just take a trip across the country and visit a couple places. So he wanted to take me to Saddleback Valley Church, which was Rick Warren's church out in Southern California, and then a couple others out in California, and then on our way back, stop at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. On the West Coast, it was interesting, I enjoyed it, but it didn't resonate. But when, personally, when I got to Willow Creek Church and saw something that was so powerful that used um, different methods of reaching people, so that, that back then it was drama, you know, video didn't really exist. Um, but music that was written from a real life standpoint, portraying people as real people, connecting with a God who loved them as they were, and it was done really, really well. Like, it was very moving to me. I looked at Steve and I said, is that what you're talking about doing? Because I didn't get it. And, and I said, if that's it, I think I could do that. I want to welcome you to Kensington Community Church. It's perfect for today's modern family. It's called Video Dad. <coughs> Video Dad? Video Dad? After a few years into Kensington, we came up with a, 
uh, mission statement for the arts, and it was to create moments for people to engage with God. And we thought about it a long time, like what, what is it that we actually are trying to do? And because we, we know that, and we knew that we couldn't uh, transform the heart. That's the work of Jesus alone. So we weren't in the business of transformation, that's him. What, what were we in the business of? And I, I felt like God for that moment called us to create these moments and create a, a space where people could slow down enough to even be in a posture where they could hear what God was doing, what he was inviting them to be a part of, what he was inviting them to feel about the reality of their life. The spoken word is one thing, a sermon is powerful, but sometimes it's a, it's a drama skit that's so relatable or, or an artistic moment that's so beautiful or so powerful or so emotional, it, it, it cuts right in and it does something you can't do with a spoken word. And so we wanted to use all of that to say, can we take people on a journey, especially people that don't believe God is relevant to their lives, watch the spirit of God lead them to himself and arts and the powerful preaching of the living word of God would all be a big part of that. I feel like God called us to, to help people see that these dichotomies that were in their minds of secular life, just my life, my business life, my family life, and then I've got this church thing over here that I do with God. And they, they don't, they, they're supposed to coexist. They're supposed to be together. And so I think that's what we had the privilege of doing was actually connecting with the thing that people cared about the most in a context where they could actually feel it and almost admit it to themselves, maybe for a first time, and then have a presentation of a loving God without judgment, embracing them and loving them in that space. And every time I go for a promotion and you give me the laundry list of reasons why I won't get the job, you're not supporting me. And every time you say that you're going to buy salami and don't, you're not supporting me. I'm sorry, Bobby. I'm sorry. The good movies, good films, they reach in and they help you identify with your greatest needs, your greatest feelings, your greatest fears, your greatest longings. So it's in another character. Well, you, you've got a grid, right? So I'm watching this character, but I'm, I'm, my grid of my life is over it like this. So I'm seeing the character through my life and all the different parts of it. And so I felt like the challenge was to say, because you could take a topic. What, what's the topic of the message? Well, um, you know, being wise with your finances. Okay, well, I've listened to that. Well, we didn't have to come up with a song with the name finances in it, right? Or do a video that was the latest about What we had to do was, I, I felt like we needed to think, okay, wait a second. So what are people feeling about finances? Well, one of them is they're freaked out. They're freaked out because it's out of control, the credit card debt. And so... What we would do in the arts was not to talk about finances. We talk. We would try to present and help them connect to, I'm freaked out, and I don't have any control over this. What do I do? Because if I can help them own that and realize that as their, that is their reality, then it's like now they, they want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I think God did something really amazing um, is that I think he brought Steve and Dave and I together um, 
for a very specific reason. And we brought really different things to the table. So Steve has this powerful apostolic gift where he has a heart for reaching people of all nations, of all people types, and having them experience Christ and having the church grow and moving into onion. That I mean, that's his heart. It's moved to people that don't know, right? And Dave's like that, but different, is more of an evangelist approach. He's like, I want every, I want everybody to come to know Jesus. Um, but it's going to be right here. Me and you know, and Dave has this amazing teaching gift to go along with that. Mark had a prophetic gift, which was, what is God saying? What what mountain? Where are we going? What 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 are we hearing from God? It was sort of a prophet's gift, and so those three together, it was a beautiful mix. It really worked, and we all understood our different roles, and we ran, and we ran fast. As our uh first four kids got older, we were able to experience those opportunities of singing together and being a part of this mission. You know, we always brought our kids along on the mission, but then they really got to be, got a chance to be active participants in it. And as a mom, that those are treasured memories for me. I think for me personally, there were artistic moments that I was a part of and, and artistic moments that I didn't play a part in, but I got to watch these people that I loved and was living life with um, create this beautiful moment through their craft. To actually step out in obedience to what he's asking you to do when you're like, I don't know how in the heck this is gonna happen. That's what he did on a weekly basis. I think probably the my fondest memories are the times when our whole team was literally sweating bullets when we came in for a rehearsal that morning because we knew that, whoa, this could go really bad. <laughs> and, and then God would put it all together. And we, I can't tell you, I, I would say hundreds of times we'd be in the wings and we would just put our arms around each other. So I remember Keith and Sandy Callen, Steve Matar, um, Joe Armio, Kristen Twilla, you know, you know, all these people, we just, and we would hug each other and tears would be coming down our face because we knew we couldn't do this. And he did it. We, I can't, yeah. I remember so many times we'd be in the back and go, oh my gosh, look what he did. I think what I learned is I'd heard that term uh, from the story of Moses where God says, pick up the stick. And basically the whole concept of use what's in your hand. What I give you is enough. And Moses is like, I can't do this. There's no way I can go to Pharaoh, right? He's going to kill me. And God basically said, use what's in your hand. And that became a war cry for us. And all of these values or these war cries were, were birthed out of experience. It was seeing God go, well, just, hey, you got what you need. I just think that's what's so exciting. And it's not, so it's not a Kensington thing. This is, this is a life thing. And I think more and more... As we've gotten older, this is what God has done more. I thought when you got to be about 25, you figured out what you were gonna do for your career, you found a spouse, and you locked in and did it for the next 50 years. And you get those two decisions right, you get the right career, you get the right spouse, you're set. And one of the biggest surprises of life for me, and I think for you too, is that as we go through life every day, God's like, hey, it's bigger than me. And I don't want to do it. And I can't do it. And he's inviting me into that every day. Why? 
because he wants to do something that's God-sized, not Mark-sized. He said, yeah, anybody can do that. I want you to do something that only I can do. And that's been our experience over and over and over, whether it's Kensington Services or if it's our family. He's always regularly, daily calling us into something that Without him, I can't do it. Everybody who's at Kensington now is on an adventure. And none of us, the adventure is Kensington. Kensington's not the adventure. It's, it's Jesus that's the adventure. It's Jesus calling you and your unique created being that he made you into something in partnership with the Holy Spirit that could never be done by another person, never will be done by another person. That's our excitement for people, every person that they would find there. Some of them, they're gonna have that adventure at Kensington. Some of them are not. And it doesn't matter. What matters is that we can get to a place where we can surrender um, with no agenda and say, God, have me. Here's my life. Here's my life. You lead me, I'll follow. Well, wait a minute, I can't afford that. I don't have the resources. I'm scared to death. I hate that. I, I, I'll follow. And when we do that, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be Kensington in 10,000 different iterations. Kensington, as we knew it, has already happened, and it will never happen again. So I hope nobody tries to duplicate that. Right. It's not supposed to be duplicated. That was for us. That was our adventure. What is going to happen in this next season is going to be more wonderful. It's going to be something that has never been done before that is going to explode the kingdom, right? And so that's, I just am excited to see for everybody that's connected to the Kensington family in any way, there's unlimited potential and varieties of assignments that God is going to call people. When I uh, first moved to Michigan to work at Kensington, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I think that if I had known what I was getting myself into, I wouldn't have came. Um, but I just remember not knowing, I, I didn't really do all the research that I should have, and I, I didn't really know much about Mark. I didn't know he was a founder. I didn't know that he had worked in the arts for over 25 years, and, and I didn't even know that he had any musical ability at all. But I remember sitting in one of our production meetings, and a little bit about me, I'm not the first person to speak when I'm in a group setting. I'm normally the person that sits back and observes and sees what everybody else is doing and what their roles are to see really where I come into play. And so I'm sitting in this production meeting, and I'm looking around at everyone, and I knew I was introduced to Mark as the pastor of Clarkston. And I'm observing, and I see everyone else talking and quick to speak, but then I see Mark, and he's kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing. And I'm like, huh. Something about that guy. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I need to sit and, and have a one-on-one -on -one with him. And I remember going to him saying, hey, man, can I just sit some, and have some time with you? And we went for coffee a couple times. And Mark really, over the course of those meetings, really just began to pour into me and talk about how uniquely I was gifted and how God had wired me to use gifts how I can, not how anyone else can. It's not a comparison thing, but there's something special about you. 
And there was, that was really important to me. And the reason it was important to me because I grew up the youngest in my family. And as we all know, the youngest is the first person that you go to when you want advice or you want to hear their opinion. <laughs> no, the youngest is the last person that you go to. You know, I even remember being the youngest in every grade that I was in coming up. And so I grew up with this mentality that no one really wants to hear what I have to say. No one really cares about what I have to say. I know that I'm gifted in this area, but I'll do it when I do it. But other than that, shut up and be quiet. And so I, I feel like Mark was pulling something out of me that needed to be pulled out. He was saying, no, there's something special in you that you can bring to the table. And I learned that although you're not wired like everyone else, there's still uniqueness to who you are and who God wired you to be. And so he was pulling these things out, and I feel like I really needed at that time stepping into this role and leading a campus through the arts, and I learned something about God. I learned that at the heart of all creation is a God that is creative. You know, we even see this at the beginning of creation. We see this um, at, at the beginning of the Bible. We see a God that can see more than what is on the surface, and he makes something that's useful and beautiful. In Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know, there's something that sticks out to me about that verse. It's that the spirit was hovering over the waters. And I feel like I asked myself this question and I want to ask you too, have you ever really been somewhere or saw something that reminded you of a person? Now <laughs> that memory can sometimes be negative and sometimes that, that memory can be connected to some of the greatest moments of your life. And wasn't it interesting that the very essence of that person was attached to that place, thing, or object, or maybe even the smell, and they weren't physically there? You know, I, I hear this scripture, the spirit was hovering over the waters, and I, I attach that to what I know and what I just explained and experienced in life. And I, I come to know that God created these waters, and he put the very essence of who he is over the waters. And I learned something from that. I see so much similarity in the Holy Spirit and the way, in the, the way that majestic waters move and they flow. And I learned that what you create is a reflection of who you are. What you create is a reflection of who you are. And so this isn't just something that applies to God. It applies to us. And let me tell you why. The story goes on and God is creating so many things. And he begins to speak these words. He says, let there be. And we see that he says it seven times. And when he comes to the seventh time, he creates man. And he says, let us make man in our image. And so I'm sitting here thinking that if we're created in the image of God, then that means we have the same ability to use our imagination, our creativity and ingenuity to create and make something new. It's in our very DNA to be creatives, to make something. And that's where I come up with this term that God the creator created us to create. And he didn't just create us for, to make things that are fun or because it's something that we can do, but he created us because when we make something, it brings about purpose and it brings about meaning. I love this quote by Andy Crouch. It says, culture is what we make of the world. In both senses, culture is the stuff we make of the world, and it is the sense we make of the world. Culture is material, and culture is meaningful, and the two go together. The way we make sense is by making stuff. The way we find our way to meaning is to make something new. Culture is meaning making, but it is always also blessedly material. Culture is made of the raw material of creation. 
And I think about that, and I think even back to the pictures that we saw earlier and just seeing this display of how God just placed these beautiful mountains, these waters and, and these valleys and just so many beautiful things. And he said, here's the raw materials. Go and make something with it. And I think of all the things that we enjoy today, even this building that we're in, the cars that we drive. There's so many things that people thought of. They used their mind, their ingenuity to create something from what God had placed here among us. God has given humankind, different than animals, the unique ability to use imagination, future thinking, and creativity to bring about something that wasn't there before, something new. And I think so often we fall into this lie that creating or being creative is something that's only for singers or it's only for people that paint or it's only for dancers or photographers or so many things we categorize like this only fits in this box. But I can assure you that that's one of the biggest lies from the enemy. He's trying to trick you to stop you from what you can bring. Just like Mark was pulling it out of me and telling me, like, there's something unique about you that you can do, that you can bring to the table and impact so many people. Just like those ripples flow, there's something that you can do that will impact the lives of so many other people. Moments that only you can create that will allow people to engage with Jesus. And so there's so many examples even in our daily, you know, think about parents. Like there's something to being intentional with the moments that you create for your family. It's something to really pouring in and saying, hey, this is a moment that we're going to remember for a lifetime. I'm really going to pour into everything that we're doing or even those that work in the office and create spreadsheets. You know, you bring about understanding and meaning to data that would otherwise be confusing. You're creating something out of something that would just be jumbled. Teachers who are in a classroom, you're taking a concept and allowing people of all ages to understand something, which really is the foundation for them to go out and now create something for themselves. Even down to custodial staff, you know, they're creating an environment that's safe, an environment that's open and engaging in moments that people will come in and remember for a lifetime. You know, there's sometimes where I get to a point where I know what I'm gifted in and I know what I'm called to, but I still get into a place of confusion. And I say, God, I can't see you in this. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I, I can't see where you're leading me. I'm not really sure where you are. I don't see you in this. And I feel like God, every time that I say that, tells me, would you just slow down? Would you open your eyes and look around you and see that I'm in everything? I'm in the details. And, you know, I think about that and I think about the details of all that God has been in. And I'm reminded that even at a young age, God was already instilling something in me. And I was reminded by that by one of my favorite movies as a kid, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I'm so sure that my parents had four copies of the VHS because I would watch it, rewind it, watch it, rewind it, watch it, and rewind it with my little Barney stuffed animal sitting right next to me, man. And that's where my love for chocolate milk came in. I remember Augusta sitting down at that pond and really going in at that chocolate milk. And I just used to love chocolate milk. But I think about this movie and I see this man who created this world to help people experience joy and understand the importance of love and the need for family and community. That was the big message that he was teaching them. And there's this song in the movie that really shows me God and it shows how God was instilling in me at a young age, the calling to open my eyes and see him, but not just to see him, but to create, my, to create myself. 
And the song is, come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin, traveling in a world of my creation. What you'll see will defy explanation. And the song goes on to say, if you want to view. The song goes on to say, if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. You want to change the world, there's nothing to it. There's no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly want to be. And if you remember that scene, Willy Wonka is at the top of the stairs and he has this cane and everybody's just so quick to rush into everything that they see. And they just want to go. They want to start eating. They want to start grabbing things. And he says, no, hold up, slow down. Take in the awe and the beauty of everything that I've created would you just stop and realize what you have here? And then he gets to this point where he releases them and you see these kids with amazement and they're instilled with hope and inspired. And then you even see the parents. They're sparked with this reminder of what it was like to dream and what it was like to create and what it was like to be just like a child. And, you know, it's funny because we know children can have some of the greatest imaginations, they're always asking questions, which sometimes for some of us, it can get a little annoying. But they're so curious and they want to know why. Why is this happening? I want to know more. And I think about that and I see how research tells us that as we grow older, we start to lose that. We start to lose that ability to imagine and be childlike and create. And so it's no surprise when the Bible tells us, and Jesus says in Matthew 18, 3, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, I know that that's something that we champion here at Kensington. Teaching students from a young age that God has created them so uniquely and gifted them with everything that they need to be successful. To be just like him. A creator. One that creates the moments to lead others back to Jesus. And every year we, we get to highlight these different ministries that create moments. And so one of the ones that we're able to highlight today, I've seen it with my own eyes, not just in the K-Kids department, but with Kaleo. And seeing how Renee, the director of Kaleo, has come together with so many other people to really create moments for students and for their families in our communities. And so we sat down with her, and we want you to take a listen to their story. I was a student in the very first class of the Kensington School of Arts back in probably 1997. Through the School of Arts and with you know Mark Nelson being one of my mentors, I started to kind of see this bigger vision for what these passions that I had for music. One of the foundations of the School of Arts was that you're a child of God, that you're loved by Him, and anything that you create should come out of that. So after I graduated college with my music degree, and I got married. Um, we ended up here at Kensington again. And I started out as a music teacher for a program that was called New Community Kids at the time. We met on Wednesdays and it was this arts program where we would um, coach the kids over the course of like 12 weeks. And then over time, Mark Nelson, who was directing it, ended up having to 
take on another role and was looking for a director. And so I stepped into that role. Opportunities started to unfold for us to expand and grow to other locations, um, other campuses at Kensington. And the real turning point was when the schools came to us and said, hey, we're really in need of some supportive arts programs. Could you help us? And we thought, okay, let's replicate what we do. Let's try it out. So uh, we kind of went all in on this vision that we felt God gave us, and we changed the name officially to Kaleo, and it means to invite. Everybody has been familiar with the Kaleo program. It had been around before our partnership with them, but at a point we just saw the need um, really to invite our school partners' kids into this beautiful program. We took a risk. Renee took a risk um, in saying, yes, this is important. And so we have had this beautiful relationship with our school partners where we have uh, kids from the campus and kids from our schools who are doing Kaleo Kids Together. And actually we've had, um, at one point, up to four schools that were hosting the Kaleo program. And so our schools were really welcoming in having um, the campus kids and their kids working together. We were really nervous the first time we went in, um, mostly because these kids really hadn't done anything like this before. And, you know, we come in with our, you know, loud music and we're getting them moving and we're, we're, we're not hard on them, but we do challenge them and we keep them, you know, on their toes the whole time. And we didn't really know if they would love it or what they would think. Um, but by the end of the session, to watch these kids come in literally asking, like, what is a dance class? Are we gonna wear tutus and ballet shoes to, in the end? learning an entire piece and going up in front of their whole school and confidently dancing and feeling proud of what they did. It was such like a joyful thing for everybody. Even the teachers just were shocked to see some of their kids up there leading. We wanted them to have a bigger vision that when you know who you are, which we believe you are a child of God, and we really wanted kids to understand that. So it's really fun because the arts kind of can open up something um, in a child that might not show in other ways. And so when you have this team of people that love God and they're listening to God in the moments to say, hey, what can I do to help reach or connect with this kid? Um, it really becomes this amazing opportunity for God to create something that we would not have seen otherwise. We actually hosted a songwriters um, workshops for two of our schools for fourth and fifth graders. And the song lyrics that came out of those sessions were truly amazing. I mean, themes about beauty and our differences. Um, you know, we're stronger together. Um, there's color in our emotions. I mean, just really big feeling and, you know, topics for kids in fourth and fifth grade. And um, they were just amazing. The kids loved it. Whenever we'd come in, they'd say, one of the music people coming back, you know? Um, but it gave voice. It gave them a way to express their feelings, their ideas, their thoughts, their voice. Our dream would be that we would be able to expand in these schools, offer more programs to the kids there. We get asked by teachers all the time, can we take on more students or, you know, move on to this school? Um, but really, it's, it's the relationship piece that we're really passionate about. And so I think that would be the dream. Renee's passion, not only for the arts, but for the kids and bringing kids and people together um, is just, um, it's contagious. You know, her, her joy and her love for this is truly contagious. We had a student a while back who had been in our program for years and um, it was his fifth grade year that he actually auditioned and received one of our lead roles. And he hadn't really had one before. 
And it was kind of one of those risks as a director and as a teacher as we were like, I think he's ready for this. Let's, let's give it a go. We all felt, you know, that this was his time. And he really did an incredible job. And the cool part of the story is the mom came back to us later and said that this was such an important mark for her son who had Asperger's, which we didn't even know, and was really struggling and had entered into the school one day to volunteer and the lady at the front desk said, hey, you should go in the cafeteria. He's, he's up there doing announcements for everybody right now. And she was just completely blown away that he had come, you know, so far um, in just his confidence and his just, you know, even just to be himself among his peers. Before the pandemic, we had about six locations in different schools and at different campuses, and we're reaching about 300 kids at the time. And now since the pandemic, we've had to really adjust and kind of recalibrate our program and pivot what we do. And so we've just been really creative and you know try to have some fun with the limitations. And we've done some crazy things. We've done Cleo Prize Week where we put these YouTube videos out. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we did them every day where kids could go and learn a skill and submit something that they create after it. And we would draw names and send prizes to kids. And we sent tons of ukuleles out to students and gave them free lessons on YouTube, which was a fun way for them to look back and say, hey, I learned a new skill over my quarantine. Um, we also decided to move our programs outside this fall, which was really crazy. We didn't, we are not outdoorsy people, but we made it happen. And we had the kids meeting outside. We found creative ways to space them out and do their dancing and their drama. They didn't really miss any part of the Cleo magic this year. Somehow we were able to do it. And we filmed all their pieces. So we would film their performances and put together um, a big show. I want the students to know how loved they are by God, how special and unique they are. They don't have to um, prove themselves to anyone and that there's a beautiful future for them. And when they trust God and they just continue following him, um, they're gonna experience that, that joy and they're gonna overcome trials and they're going to um, really shine in their uniqueness. Renee and her team do such a wonderful job pouring into our young students, training them to be powerful leaders, not only within Kensington, but as you heard, out into the community, into our schools. I was here in the very beginning when Mark had the School of the Arts and he had a vision for children. And I remember him saying this, that they're not just cute kids, that they are powerful leaders for God's kingdom. And Renee has taken that and just moved that into our community, training kids and letting them know how deeply they are loved by Christ. I can't help but hear that story and then come to a scripture in Matthew 18, one of my favorite ones about children. It says this, At the time, Jesus' disciples came to him and asked him this question, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child among them and put, probably imagine he put him in his lap. And he says this, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This kind of work that Renee is doing is pouring into the next generation and giving them confidence and vision to go out and change the world in Jesus' name. This is what we're about at Kensington. 
And so as we head into the new year, as we're, this year is coming to a close, I would ask you this. Would you pray and consider giving a year-end gift to Kensington? It's these Christmas gifts that you give that actually fuels these kind of ministries all year long. I'm so grateful that we can see this and be a part of it. Thank you so much for your generosity. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in 2021. I've had the privilege of working with Kaleo this past semester. And, you know, like throughout this pandemic, we've all gone through some sort of loss or suffering, whether it's loss of community or just loss in the things that we used to have, really this sense of wanting to go back to normal. But there was something about coming in every week and seeing people who were intentional, creating moments for these kids and seeing these kids come in with smile on their faces and being able to live again, being able to dance and sing and, and really not have any, any like sense of, I have to perform for this certain whatever. Like there's no one judging me. I just get to be free. There's something about creating moments for them to be free in that. And, you know, I, I think that there's beauty in all the things that we're able to do. There's so many different ministries and you may have gotten a booklet coming in that is a year and Christmas gift. And it talks about so many different things that God has been doing. And so I encourage you just to take a moment today or this week to flip through that and really see all the stories. And maybe it'll move you to consider giving a gift and jumping in on mission. But whatever the case, I would love for you to really put yourself in a position of asking yourself this question. This is my challenge for you today. To ask yourself, what moments are you creating in your life? And when you think of those moments, do they reflect who you want to be? When you think of those moments, do they reflect who Jesus is? Are you being intentional in the moments that you create with your family? Are you being intentional in the moments that you have with the people that you work with and, and your friends? Are you even being intentional in the moments that you create with strangers? We're so quick to be standoffish because we all have our mask on, but are you still creating moments that would lead them to Jesus? Or would they look at you and be like, I don't know if I want anything to do with that person. Maybe you're not even there. Maybe you're not in the, at the point where you're ready to start creating moments. Maybe you're like where I was saying earlier, where I'm questioning God and saying, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't even know what I'm gifted in. I don't even know what it is. Show me you. And can I encourage you like God encouraged me to slow down, to open your eyes and take a look around. Just like that song said, if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. And maybe it's the setting of the posture of heart of saying, God, allow me to see where you are in all of this. And we're about to sing this song that is so beautiful because it talks about the grandeur of who our God is, how he knows every single star in the sky, how he created the galaxies and created this world. But then it funnels in and talks about how he loves you. How if you were the only person that he went to die for and sacrifice his life for, he would have still did it because you're worth it. You're worth it. What you have is special. What you bring to the table is unique to you. And this song reminds me of this, this poem that I wrote when I first moved to Michigan and I was saying, God, what the heck am I doing here? Why did you bring me here? I, I know that you've gifted me in music and arts and I know that, but where does it fit? And I was out on this hike and I feel like God says, slow down. 
sit and see where I am in all of this. And I remember sitting on a log and I pulled out my journal in the middle of the hike and wrote these words. Just like you paint the skies, let my life resemble your beauty. Deep blues above and in the seas, it all flows together for your glory. Even the breeze plays its role, rustling through the trees and grass, causing rivers to ripple and flow. It's amazing how the complexity in this landscape doesn't even begin to explain your majesty. Everything you created, living in harmony. The clouds, thick and thin, fulfilling your intentions to accent the sky, providing us with shade and an ever so needed refreshing rain. Rain to wash away the imperfections we've added to alter your masterpiece. A fresh start you give us with each outpouring. Hills and valleys to allow the water to run into the deepest and darkest places within us. There's no place too far for you to not be able to find us. Who you are meets where we fall. These broken pieces are mended together to make what you call beautiful.
God, I pray that we realize that, that you never leave the one behind. No matter where we are on this journey, whether we're still in the posture of trying to figure things out or we're in the place of creating moments, God, I pray that we know that you wouldn't leave us behind, that we can walk in that truth of knowing of a God that loves us, that cares for us and created us so uniquely that there's something that only we can do. 
God, I pray that we walk with that truth and we're reminded throughout the week and the ways that we create moments and the ways that we live and the way that we interact with others, with strangers. God, that we would have you on our mindset. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you guys don't forget that, that you remember to really be intentional in the way that you create moments to allow other people to engage with God. Um, One thing to remember is that our Christmas tickets are up for you to reserve now. They're completely free. Um, Christmas is looking a little different this year. We do have a full separate service that's online if you want to view from home, but we also have six services that we'll be offering in this building where you can go ahead and reserve tickets. We'll still be social distancing, so we would love for you to go ahead and reserve those so we can plan ahead for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week as we jump into the second week of Foundations and hear how Steve and Paula have really impacted us. Thank you. See you next week. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.